Hi there, and welcome to the Living with SMA podcast. We're here to have conversations about living with spinal muscular atrophy. Throughout this podcast, we will be covering lots of different topics from preparing for university, getting the most from your personal budget, sex and relationships, and lots, lots more. So we invite different hosts from across the SMA community to come together here. We want to answer your questions, provide you with useful tips and recommendations, and also share personal stories. So please do reach out and connect with us here at the charity SMA UK. Thank you for listening, and we hope you find the podcast useful. Welcome to part one of You've Got a Friend in Me. Today, we have four people involved in this discussion where we talk about the two sides of the story, the experience of having your very first carer, the perspective from a PA, and the importance of being involved in the recruitment process when choosing your carer or PA. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Living with SMA podcast. We have another exciting episode for you here today, and we are joined by some some great company. I think we're in, we're in good hands today. So uh, before I sort of kick off and explain what today's episode is going to be about, I think we'll have a little introduction to each of us. So if I kick things off and just let you know, my name is Ross Lannan. Um, I'm a disability and lifestyle blogger and presenter, and I have spinal muscular atrophy myself. Um, I'll hand over now to you, Louis. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Louis. I have SMA as well. I am 36 at the moment, and I freelance here and there, and I am also a business development executive for a diversity and inclusion consultancy. Amazing. Connor. Hello, I'm uh, Connor. I'm 20 years old. I'm an art student. I also freelance a bit of my artwork and I also live with Asim. And Lauren. I'm uh, Lauren. I'm one of Connor's carers. Amazing. Lovely. Well, just to let everybody know at home who's watching today what the aim of today's podcast episode is going to be about. We're going to be um, following on from a, a previous episode where discussions were already had um, by Louis, Michaela and Katie, they did a fantastic job about, we're talking about PAs and how the fact that PAs are not just for care, but we're going to have a little spin on things today because obviously we are joined by Lauren, who is a PA herself to Connor, and we're just going to expand a little bit on that chat and talk about the positive side of care and, and the benefits that both the carer and the uh, disabled individual can get from this relationship and it's we're going to be looking at the importance of that relationship um and yeah we we think it's important to have a a um a positive outlook on this because there there is a lot of negativity out there when it comes to um disabilities and the healthcare sector so i think to kick to kick things off i think it'll be a good place to start right back at the very beginning um, and find out each of your stories. Louis, if I start with you in the sense of when you first had your very first carer, 
what do you remember feeling and sort of that acceptance of needing needing help? That's a very good question. Um, so for, for me, it was really probably around the age of 16 that my parents were um, considering bringing in someone to, to come and help. Um, I was taken out of school um, by my stepfather and um, was based at home all the time. And obviously, him and my mum had, had a job that they had to do. So um, we got a, a few people here and there, and it never really stuck. Uh, it wasn't really a job that, that I think that they were made for, if, if that's the right term. Um, but when it really started adding value to my life was at the age of 19 when I was introduced to uh, Leonard, who had never done care before. He uh, was a Malawian gentleman who came to South Africa to try to find job opportunities for the betterment of his family. And he was mainly doing housekeeping and, and, and cleaning and gardening jobs. Um, and when he was asked, uh, would he be interested, he said, he's got no problem, he'll give it a go. And we really just took to each other like, like I don't know, grilled cheese on bread. I mean, he he really flourished and we built such a, 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 a real rich relationship. Um, he Before I came to the UK, he looked after me over 15 years and... Um, he named his firstborn son after me. Um, you know, that, that's the kind of relationship that, that we built. And um, unfortunately, coming to the UK, I've, I've not been able to bring him with me uh, because of his age. He doesn't qualify for a work permit. Um, and I've had to say goodbye to that and have to start again here in the UK. So that's been a little challenging. I bet, yeah. What, wow, what an amazing first experience as well of accepting care and, and having such a strong relationship from the start. Connor, what about yourself? Do you remember your very first PA? I would have been around the age of seven, possibly eight, somewhere in between. So very young. Um, and that particular time was all about assisting the parents and family members on kind of morning and night routines. And then as my health condition progressed, we kind of moved it to more of a day routine. So kind of helping with school activities, that kind of stuff. So maybe homework, maybe going into school. And then around the age of eight and a half, uh, met a guy who was called Scott who is basically Louise Lanark, um, but in my particular scenario. Um, and yet we had him for over 12 years, which is really impressive, and became, yeah, became a family member, a lot more than just a carer. Love that. That's so nice to hear because, and to be honest, that's not often an uncommon thing, you know? the job retention within care almost has a bad reputation but actually behind the scenes a lot of people do have a lot of long time long term carers from my own personal opinion um, I was quite late joining um, care because I was always very 
almost against the idea. I, I put up quite a fight when I, um, when my parents sort of, that all, all came about. I was 21 when I moved out, out from home. So that was the first time that I had to accept help from somebody who wasn't my family. So already sort of an adult as such, it, it was quite a hard adjustment to accept help at, at a young age from a, from a stranger. Um, but now, like sort of looking back, you think, why didn't, why didn't you do this sooner? Because now it's opened up so many opportunities and increased confidence. And talking about the longevity of, of carers, um, my current team, yeah, I've had this, the same team for you know, nearly seven years now. And it's, it's, it's amazing, really. So it's, it's nice to hear that we've, we've all had those long-term connections. Lauren, coming to you from an alternate point of view, what made you want to join the care sector? So I've always wanted to do something where you've helped others. Um, and, and obviously it came across uh, job the NHS to become a carer. Um, and I thought it was something different because um, obviously nursery nursing was great, but um, I think I'd reached the end of the career. I wanted something different. Um, so yeah, I just jumped ship and went with being a carer. Um, I didn't know whether I'd be able to do it, if I'm honest, at first. Um, but they said, like, give it six months um, and see how I go. And because obviously it is a little medical as well, isn't it? If you feel comfortable in yourself being able to do it. And I can just always remember one of the nurses saying that just give yourself six months and see how you go. Because um, originally I did look after another child uh, before I met Connor. So it just went from there, really. And I think I just love the job, love meeting different people. Uh, and that was it, really. I, I had more clients um, and obviously met Connor. It makes you feel part of the family. I like it knowing that... Um, I treat obviously Connor as a as a normal young man and I don't see him with a disability or anything. I'm just there to, to have a have a laugh with him, have fun with him and stuff. Absolutely. So yeah. And and Connor, coming back to you, obviously you um were part of the process of obviously I presume selecting uh, Lauren for for the job. How important is it for um, us to be involved in the, the recruitment process and, and choosing our helpers? Yeah, it's really important that as a client on the receiving end of a service that your input is valued because you as the client are going to understand what you're looking for in a carer and you will send straight away that kind of bond or connection with a possible member of staff and you as a client know kind of instinctively what you're looking for and no one can really voice that for you as accurate as yourself. It's very true and Louis coming to you sort of continuing on the lines of um, recruitment of carers and the interview process and things like that. What would you say is your your view on on that? 
Well, I think it's it's crucial. Um, I unfortunately don't have that luxury. Um, I call it a luxury because I don't have that available to me. Um, the care company designates someone and I then have to trial it and see how the relationship goes. Um, so when I first originally got given hours for, for care, it was very minimal and it, I was becoming very reliant on my partner in between the hours that were given to me and it wasn't really working. So I had to push for, for more. Um, and we've got my package up to having someone with me Monday to Friday throughout the day. Um, and I, for the people for those hours, I have had close to 10 different people um, in my home for, the, for that. And at the moment, there's only three that are really consistent. Um, and there are others that have to try cover when people are on leave or, uh, or, or ill. So I, I'm not involved in, in the recruitment. I don't get a, a, a say on who gets put here until I've met them and I've spent time with them. So um, I, I can then approach the company and say, look, I don't think this is working. But then the challenge is who do they put here if that's not working? So change takes a long time to, to happen. Um, when incidents also happen and you are at the point where you're about to refuse entry, to getting that person off the rotor is it takes time. It's not something that can just be organized at the drop of a hat, which is is really challenging. And I think it's it's very important that we're involved in that process because as as Connor said, we're able to not only gauge the person in the way that they answer the questions, but you are there to explain what you need. I'm a very firm believer that a care plan in a file or on a mobile device does not give you a true reflection on you as an individual. It's not very human-centered. It's very clinical and, and policy-orientated. And, and that detracts a lot. And, and also sometimes portrays the wrong picture. So I've had carers come in here expecting that I am the most complex case that they've ever handled, that they've even doubted whether they can do my call. And then they come in the door and see who I am. And they're like, wow, this is actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Uh, so it, it it just creates a lot of misperception, I think, and, and that could all be avoided if we were in, in included in that process. I think uh, it's different when you're dealing with companies who who don't understand that, um, and, and they talk about it's, it's, it's company policy and we can't involve the service users with the interviews because at the end of the day, they're not only going to be there for you, they're going to be seeing other service users as well. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say there's there's almost two sides to this story in the sense of us as um, the client, it's there's a lot of anxiety about having a new person or a stranger come in to provide personal care. But also, on the other hand, from the carer's point of view, this is where we can go to you, Lauren. Um, What's it like on on from your point of view of when you find out who you're going to be working with somebody new for the first time? What goes through your mind at that stage? Yeah, I mean, it's come up a few times to go to to different clients, but um, I like to stay where I am um, and stick to what I know, really, because obviously with some people, it's it's hard to take a long time to understand things and I think at first me and Connor sort of you know we got off to a slow start 
um and like i think it was more him learning about me respecting him like i i said that like if if obviously we wasn't going to get along then obviously there's no point in upsetting him or, or me but as time's gone on and we've we've learned more about each other and got to know each other obviously that's that's made it better which is why i think um learning it, people are crucial really um but obviously now uh, we get on really really well and that's at first it was a, a little bit hard because i think you are told a bit different to what you think it is so obviously other people involved not just connor so um so yeah was the question again yeah no that, that you've answered that that lovely and sort of throwing over to you connor what is it about the relationship with lauren that that made it work for you because we all know um we all have different views on on what we want out of the relationship with our pas what was it about lauren that made your connection work in your home life yeah so originally when when i met lauren i was around the age of 14 and kind of just starting to engage a lot more in the care industry so we was both kind of learning our roles and what our responsibilities are at that time. So it was definitely a bit bumpy to start off with from both point of views. And then we kind of came in agreement a bit later on, a couple of months later, on kind of what each of us roles are. And then from then, yeah, it's worked perfectly for what almost seven years now yeah amazing yeah i think connor um accepted me and obviously like we say we learned to, about each other obviously if he's unwell then obviously i'd go above and beyond what i'm meant to do because that's just obviously in the nature uh, and i think obviously hopefully trust me because <laughs> obviously like you say you get a part of the furniture is is come to the my wedding and you know we've been out together to watch um ball on the telly at the pub and things like that so yeah, I think we've got quite a good relationship, obviously still within in the boundaries of work. <laughs> You've been listening to the Living with SMA podcast. We hope you can join us again next time. But in the meantime, please don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find out more on our website at smauk.org.uk. Mm-hmm.